Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, and I've got another one for you, Joel. Go on. The most electrifying man in sports entertainment today. <laughs> yes, mate. <laughs> only because that place has been vacated. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, yeah. I was I'm thinking about it and I Absolutely. was like, well, boxing is sports entertainment and yeah, you know, like you're electrifying, so yeah. why not? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Joe. How are you, Joel? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm going to go in quickly. I had a really good weekend. <laughs> How was your weekend? <laughs> yeah, it was all right, thanks, Joe. <laughs> um, have you got any more detail to give us? See, the reason I'm saying that, listeners, is because Joe's arrived at my flat. As you know, we normally go, oh, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. I didn't get one question this week. Joe was just intent on talking about his weekend, which, to be fair, sounded far better than mine. Yes. So I was in Ireland for a wedding this weekend, a family wedding, and it was absolutely fantastic catching up with all my relatives, second cousins, and so on and so forth. Um, the crack was mighty, Joel. <laughs> up, up Galway, up Mayo, up the up Wexford as well. Caulfield, Mayo, anywhere else, Joe? On uh, the Isles? There probably were a few other places, but mainly up Galway, up Mayo, and up Wexford. But honestly, it was yeah. such a lovely weekend, and I went with my mum, of course. So it was great to spend some time with her. I'll know if she listens to the pod by whether I hear anything <laughs> off the back of this recording. Should we, should we just make something off about your weekend and see if she <laughs> she picks exactly. us up on it? <laughs> so yeah, no, it was, it was lovely. Right, Good. let's get the show on the road. So we had quite a busy weekend in terms of fights and we'll start off with Dillian White against Jermaine Franklin this is a fight which Dillian White as the overwhelming favorite scraped uh, a win via a majority decision so one judge had it even 115 each and two other two of the other judges had it 116 112 Dillian White Joel what are your thoughts on this fight I think all all things being equal, Joe, I yes. think Dillian probably got a little bit lucky here. Yes, yes, he did. But, you know, things ain't equal, are they? No, exactly. Uh, we got home fighters and all of that, and that, that's what this came down to. I think the home fighter got the nod. It was a close fight. Mm. Dillian's lost a step, hasn't he? Dillian, I thought he looked terrible. A really yeah. slow, cumbersome. Uh, he, he, he's, it's very easy. He telegraphs his punches now, really, obviously. Mm. He does, I mean, don't get me wrong, he still has some snap. He can still whip in some shots, but I, I don't think his conditioning is great. I, mind you, Jermaine Franklin's wasn't great either. No. Um, and I, I think that's disappointing from Dillian in a way because, look, he, he, Throughout his career, he's never been one to come in and, I, I, and look like he's in an immaculate condition. And no. you don't need to be. Tyson Fury's obviously proved that. But I I think he he's he's really showing the signs of wear and tear. I think he's really, he's like a lost a yard of pace, if this was the football analogy. I just don't think he's a, a top heavyweight anymore. I really don't. Well, I think he's hit that point in his career that fighters get to that unless they're matched sort of astonishingly carefully they struggle in every fight yeah I think that's where we're at we're kind of Loma's there you know what I mean yeah and, and I think but he does it against far higher opposite level opposition and, yeah. and I think Dillian's there now and it's going to be a tough road for him here on out but still I don't think the Anthony Joshua match in Joshua's current form and stuff is a complete mismatch I mean I think that that's still an entertaining fight and that's what we're leading to you see, I, I think that that is a brilliant fight for Anthony Joshua because I could see him absolutely destroying Dillian White. I mean, if you look, I was obviously surprised by Anthony Joshua's performance in the second fight against Usyk. Mm. It was really good. And yes, his confidence is obviously dented by those two defeats, but there's a big golfing class between Alexander Usyk and Dillian White. I mean, it's huge. And I think it's just a confidence fight AJ needs. He, I don't think he'd absolutely destroy him. I think that could be a pummeling within one or two rounds. Dillian White is getting, you know, I don't think it's a fight. He will take it because it's a money fight, obviously. Mm. He needs to get paid. Of course he will. And look, Dillian White, whatever happens now, he's going to get a huge fight. Yeah. That's the sort of performance that when you've got a name, you get a big fight off of the back of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so he'll get it. His next fight will be a title fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know. 
Interesting. I don't know if it... I mean, Dillian White doesn't deserve a title fight. He'll fight AJ. There'll be no Sorry, titles I meant, on the line. I meant title or, or AJ or superstar yeah, fight. Exactly. It's going to be something that earns him millions, but yeah. likely AJ. But it'll be AJ or a title. I'm pretty, yeah. pretty certain of that. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. So I, I think, look, our review of this fight, I just think it's, it was a massively underwhelming performance from Dillian White. And I just really... And uh, his career, as far as I'm concerned now, is that is that the end game. He's going to get that, like you say, get the big payday. I don't know what else he has to offer because he just looked awful. Well, he just doesn't have the gears anymore. He can't switch it up in the fight. And also, mm. I think the other problem was uh, there didn't seem to be any improvement with Buddy McGurk. I couldn't see what yeah, but what I, come I, from there. And I didn't I, particularly like the corner work. There wasn't any urgency or anything like that. Yeah. So I didn't really like any of it. Yeah. It, it was just a bad weekend for Dillian White. Yeah. And uh, frankly, no. I mean, he, I mean, he's not exactly a new superstar bursting onto the scene, is he? I, he's, I was, just a, he's just a complete sparring partner. He, he fought in that way sparring partners do. do you yeah. know what I mean, the whole night. He, you know that thing where you're putting your foot on the gas but not quite putting well, your foot down, see, I you don't know, think and that's he, what he was doing. I don't think he can put his foot on the gas. That's my his point. His conditioning is not good enough. But I actually was quite impressed with his speed. But it was very quick at points in that fight. And mind you, Dillian White is like super slow it's now. Super slow. And so maybe that's what kind of made me think. I was quite impressed with some of the quickness. Of no, his I think he's got he's got the spot. He's got sparring quickness. And it's it's a quickness mm. you have when you don't have to put power on your punches. Yes. You know, and that's what he's got. You See, know, like, and so he can whip them in, you know, but without anything on them. Yeah. But they, I mean, I, th- that's fine in and of itself, because I think you can win a lot of fights by... Just through speed, not necessarily having a lot of power behind it, but the accumulation of those punches will weigh you down. Plus, you know, those yeah, and you need physical sort of shots can also open the door to the one haymaker that you do in. Yeah, and also, anyway. I don't, I don't really agree that you can win speed without power at heavyweight. I think that's the one way that you just can't. You need something yeah. on your punches. Yeah, no, no, fair point. Let's talk about a fight that probably deserves more. Focus because it was a cracking fight. Two fighters who deserve more focus. Absolutely. So this was Regis Progre against Jose Zapeda for the vacant uh, WBC title, I think it was. Now, we backed Progre before the fight in our most recent episode and he didn't let us down. Good old Regis Progre put in an absolutely fantastic performance and he nailed Jose Zapeda in the 11th round referee stoppage coming to his rescue and he's just a classy i mean he is a proper fighter he's got everything he's got guts he's got heart he's got skill he's you know he's got a chin he's a warrior he's just a brilliant fighter yeah he's a fighter through and through and he just had a really good performance at a time when he needed it badly he needed something to put himself back in the limelight it was three years ago he lost that fight to Josh Taylor three years is a long time in the sport and I know we've had COVID in between but you know nothing's happened in his career and it was a razor thin I mean it could have gone either way it really could have gone either way that one who do you have in a rematch on neutral ground I I definitely have pro grade and I actually could see pro grade winning that one quite comfortably but that's how difficult boxing is and what a just a slog this sport is. Yeah. You know, when you have a fight like that, probably edged it on yeah. a weight ground, didn't get the nod, you knew he wouldn't. Yeah. And then, what, three years later, he's battling again on away territory, just yeah. trying to get that title that puts him back in the frame. At least he got it. Massive congratulations. And he's a, he's just a class act, isn't yeah. he? He's one of the elite fighters in the sport. Yeah, I think you're right. So where does he go from here now? What, I mean... I mean, look, Josh Taylor rematch, but Josh ain't going to have it. Um, I would say he should he should just focus all his efforts on making the Tio Lopez fight. Yeah, and I think I mean, that's just a huge fight at Lightwell. That would be an unbelievable <sighs> fight. I think talk I mean, about styles, isn't it? My gosh, yeah. I mean, they're they'll two, go to war. Yeah, that's a really hard war. one to pick. I pro- maybe slightly favour Tio in terms of. If Tio brings his A game, I think mm. he'll just just have enough. But just this is the thing about Regis Progre. His career is proof that you just do not underestimate anyone. This guy is, you know, he's determined to to leave a legacy. I think in this sport, but it's that way. He is just plugging away, plugging away. He's had a long relationship with Donald McRae, actually one of the the elite writers in the sport. I saw the Donald McRae article. And did you mate. see that? Well, he's had a few over the last few days. He's had a couple on yeah. him, and he, he followed it up room? today. Yeah. yeah, with the changing room article, and that was a really nice insight into yeah. sort of what it's like on a big night like that, and how the whole team feels it. 
Yeah. You know, the sort of atmosphere going in. But that, that was a real good one. But what, what I was going to say is that Donald McRae, he sort of highlighted him years ago as being a fighter to watch and someone who he considered at the elite end of the game. Yeah. And it's one of these ones who's always sort of really pushed him and treated him as that superstar when he hasn't been a superstar. And that was, I found really interesting about his writing over the last few days, headlines like Progre here to set, trying to save the sport. Yeah. I thought well, it would be nice if Progre had that Ability? Standing. Not ability. He's got that ability. I don't think he hasn't got the ability. It'd be nice if he had that standing in the sport. Yeah. But he doesn't. No. He's not here to save the sport. Yeah. He's here to hopefully earn a couple of million quid and get out and not have to work again. Yeah, What exactly. success that would be, you know? Um, Donald McRae, actually. I mean, fair play to Donald McRae. I was just thinking a minute ago, Joel, wouldn't it be nice to have the life of Donald McRae? I've thought that quite often, <laughs> mate. I'm going to have to post him this... Uh, recording on Twitter and see what his thoughts are. Uh, Say I've given you a shout out, Don, you might want to listen to, you know, minute 10 to minute 11. Just said I'd quite like to be you, Don. Yeah. Don, when you retire, just give us a call, yeah? We'll we'll take over your uh, your role. We could have that little black book of yours. That'd be (laughs) nice, mate. Thank you. So, yeah, excellent performance from Regis Progre, and he's a fighter who we really respect and admire on the pod, so well done to you, Regis. Commiserations to Jose's paid. I'm not sure where he goes from here. I mean, this was... It could have been third times a charm, but it just hasn't worked out. I think he, as I said, if he loses, I think he's just going to fall short. I'm not sure where he goes, but listen, what a what an effort anyway and what a fight. Right, let's move on. to the, Here's a fight which I found quite interesting, actually, to watch, and you did as well. <laughs> so well, it's a brilliant fight. Nathan Gorman against Fabio Wardley, which was for the British heavyweight title. Now, just for, for our listeners, um, Fabio Wardley was... Uh, Quite a heavy favourite going into this fight, or certainly when the uh, betting lines opened. Fabio Wardley comes from quite a different background to your typical boxer. He he, he was actually a white qualified, wasn't he? He had no amateur background whatsoever. Yeah, and Nathan Gorman is of travelling stock. He is a you know a fighting man, as they say, and he, decorated amateur, decorated amateur as well. But in here, I mean, I guess in his biggest fight to date against Daniel Dubois, he he lost that fairly convincingly. So, you know, there was a lot riding on this one for Nathan Gorman and Fabio Wardley uh, is, is undefeated. But the question, I guess, for him was whether he could, in a fight of this standing and against someone as decorated uh, with as decorated a background as Nathan Gorman, could could he really prove he belongs at that level? And for our listeners who didn't watch the fight or might not know, Fabio Wardley stopped Nathan Gorman in the third round. And it was a, it was quite a strange fight to watch, Joel. It was all over the place. So in the previews, I said that really you look at them and Nathan Gorman should outclass Fabio Wardley. Yeah. When you look at their history, when you look at you know, the sort of skills tools in their arsenal, exactly, in their skills. You look at them too and you look in the ring and just go, Nathan Gorman is on a different level to this guy. But as you said in the preview, that the problem with Gorman is in the head, well, yeah. as we spoke about in the preview, that the problem with him is in, in the head and what you said about Fabio Wardley is that he's got it up there yeah. and he's... Uh, He's got it. He's got the stuff in he's his stomach. The, yeah, he you know, does. And all that. of that. He's Absolutely. got that. Yeah. And this fight just highlighted it. In the first round, it opened up. Well, my God, I'll text you after the first round. <laughs> I just said, this is just a complete, something along the lines of this is a complete and not a mismatch. Because Gorman had just played with him for the round. He yeah. beat the utter living daylights out of him. Yeah. That first round, without breaking sweat, without yeah. doing anything, just flicking out the jab, throwing some hooks, just doing whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. And Fabio Wardley had no idea what to do. I mean, exactly. he had a worried look on his face. Yeah, yeah. Second round, Gorman goes <laughs> out, just carries on the same thing. Hurts Wardley. Hurts him badly Cracks well. him on the nose. Yeah. Did he break his nose as well? Because I mean, it looked well, like, like it his was nose bro- looked like it was split on the outside and yeah. inside. It yeah. looked like it was broken, but also had a sort of weird split yeah. on the it bridge was, of the nose. He was bleeding profusely Terribly. from the nose. Yeah. It was a bad, bad injury. It was the sort of injury that stops a fight. And Fabio Wardley realised that. And so he went out and he, he caught that punch. And then from then on, that was the worst thing that Nathan Gorman could have done because Wardley then just went for him. And what we found out is that... All of the worries after the Daniel Dubois fight 
were correct you know mm. they were fulfilled because he he basically unfortunately and i hate to say it but he can't take a punch no he, he can't. cannot take it Got you no know at the resistance. first time of any trouble yeah he 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 just folded he did yes. and in the build-up to the fight i spoke to last week we Recorded the pod on the Sunday with the fight not happening until the following Saturday. And I said that I wanted to see what Gorman looked like in a build-up, whether he was nervous and stuff like that. And he looked super relaxed on the stuff that I saw. Pretty fine. It started getting me a little bit worried. It's like, well, is he too relaxed? Is he that sort of thing that is like... That he's got a little perspective on life. Yeah. Oh, we don't want that from our boxers. But it didn't, it didn't you know stop I mean? you from putting a healthy it, amount of money on him, though, did it, Joel? It didn't, mate. It didn't. <laughs> but let me finish my point first, Joe. Right. The, I feel that maybe he's just lost his hunger for the sport. Yeah. Because he went out there, he looked in the, in the build-up, like he would have been happy to win or lose. Yeah. And as soon as he got hurt, he didn't want it. No. You know, he kept getting up, but he wasn't convincing and yeah. probably didn't know to, need to go down. So for the benefit of our listeners, I think Gorman en- ended up going down maybe three times in total. I think it was more. I think it was four, four times, times in total. I think so, yeah. And did, was it the, the his corner throw in the towel? It did, yeah. So Gorman's corner threw in the towel. I have to say, look, I I, kind of got it spot on in the preview because I always worry about fighters who are clearly really talented who are not hitting the levels that they should do because it's I think it's worse actually to not have the mental gifts than it is to not have the physical gifts. Mm. You can learn the physical gifts. You can learn the technical aspects but i think that the, the real guts and this you know like you say the stuff deep in your stomach you know when you when you're hurt when you're buzzed what do you do what happened when fabio wardley got hurt badly and his nose looked the mouth i thought he had a broken nose no well, definitely had a broken nose he just bit on his gum shield and went right i'm i'm having it now because there's no way i'm giving up that was it i'm not giving up he, he was desperate to win the fight exactly and that's why Fabio Wardley is where he is, mm. despite the lack of background pedigree. And that's why Nathan Gorman isn't where he should be, despite his pedigree and his background. He's got, you know, a lot of the tools that, and, and things you need to, to be fighting at, you know, close to world level. Mm. Um, I just think it's disappointing. But listen, respect to Fabio Wardley, because I'm interested in this guy's career, because I do like fighters. There are fighters, you know... Look, Fighters like him, Carl Froch, even Deontay Wilder, these are guys who, you know, maybe don't have the greatest technical tools, but they have got that stuff deep in their stomach. They overachieve massively. And you know what? I mean, he could pull a surprise. You never know how far Wardley's going to go. I mean, that's you're putting him in really esteemed company there, no, Charlie. Uh, You've really gone for it. What, there. What, I'm, uh, what I'm saying is he's got he's got some of that stuff that can take him... You know, it can re- it can take you really far. Yeah, of course it can. So who knows? Let's see what happens with him. I mean, I'd say now he needs still needs to make massive improvements to be anywhere near world level. But listen, one of the things you need to go far in boxing is a bloody heart and a t- and a chin, and he's he's got that. So fair play to him. You you also need a jab and a defence. Yes, true. But you never know. He might. I mean, he could get better, Joel. Listen, let's he could just get see what better, happens. And he's clearly improving, you know. And I, I, I just couldn't have been more impressed with him. Yeah. Considering what he's got, I just really couldn't. He should have lost weekend. that fight. Brilliant. He should from the, from the moment that punch landed that basically smashed his nose in. Mm. Nathan Gorman should have won that fight ten out of ten times. Yep. And but it was. But before that, mate, without that injury, he should have win. He should win that fight ten out of ten times. Yeah. It's it's and and that is still as much as that's saying something about Gorman and where he is. It mm. is still saying something about Wardley. It's very difficult when you in any job in anything you're doing, nothing beats longevity. Nothing beats that. What they say, ten thousand hours and yes. all of that. You yeah, know, yeah, well, yeah. you can only box and do ten thousand hours of boxes if you start as a youngster. Do you know? What I mean, he isn't going to be a master of the sport, but no, he boy, won't. does he deserve? Everything he gets from the sport. Absolutely. So well done, Fabio Wardley. Right, the next fight, the one we're going to finish on is Zach Parker against John Ryder, a domestic dust-up, which unfortunately disappointed. So for our listeners, um, for those of you who didn't watch this fight, Zach Parker had to, or was uh, pulled out by his corner at the beginning of the fifth round, owing to a broken right hand. And that, I mean, that was a legitimate injury no question I 
it was. I mean, it was a strange fight. I actually thought Zach Parker started the first round really well, and I don't know whether he was feeling the effects of the the hand from that. You know, maybe the end of the first round. I don't think it's been confirmed when he actually broke it. But the second, third, and fourth rounds are kind of seemed fairly evenish. It was. I had no idea he'd broken his hand as well. He mm. was still throwing the right hand, and then it was all rather strange because. You expect the fifth round to start, and then you've just seen Zach Parker walk over to John Ryder and say, "Done my hand in, can't continue." So that's it. It's... There was no inkling, was there? No. Had it in. The commentators didn't get wind of anything, as you say. He was still throwing that right. Yeah. No. Now, so I thought about this a lot because I don't. I want to. I mean, something about the corner pull out or the is that you know his decision to 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 pull himself out just doesn't sit well with me. Hmm. Now. I've never been between the ropes, you know. I've never really taken a flush punch in my life. I don't know what it's like to get hit. Who am I to question the courage of, you know, a boxer? Hmm. Zach Parker is, you know, a warrior. No question. Anyone who gets but here in the ropes he comes. is. But <laughs> I think given everything that was on the line, you know, a chance potentially to fight Canelo, although, I mean, he would have obviously, I, I suspect he would, he, you know, he would have no, fighting no, no, no but, one's fighting Canelo. But, but, but irrespective of whether you do, you know, you don't fight Canelo, even though you're mandatory, you're, you've then got a title shot. Sure. So it's a massive fight. Now, knowing a bit about boxing, seeing fighters in the past who've fought through what, you know, probably worse. Mm. What I think's happened is Zach Parker's probably thought my time will come again, right? But will it? You never know in boxing. So, you know, could he have bit down on his gum shield and maybe done another couple of rounds and said, you know, I'm just going to go for it because I can't fight any, you know, maybe could do one, two, three, I don't know. Obviously he knows, I don't. I just think given the magnitude of it, I, I think he could have, I'd like to have seen him just continue. And and he was, I actually thought, I mean, I thought he was doing well. The first round, more than gave me enough to think, I think Zach Parker could win this fight quite comfortably. If he fights off the jab, and he was doing it really well in the first round. I think he, I think he's got John Ryder's number. I really mm. do. Um, well, I thought so, John Ryder was getting on the inside quite well. By the time the fight stopped, he, yeah, he, he, he was, was getting the better of it. You yeah, know. and may, maybe that was the the, the um, maybe that was the injury. Who knows? Mm. He was feeling discomfort at that point. Maybe it took him out of his uh, his ability to concentrate as well. He was thinking about the injury more than maybe mm, possibly. But but I you know I. I think he, you know, I wonder whether he maybe one day will look back and say, oh, do you know, I wish I'd maybe given it another couple of rounds. This is such a difficult issue in boxing because we praise courage as we rightly should. That's what the sport is about, isn't it? That's what what so much of it is about Mm. for us. You know, we go in, it's just seeing people do things that we couldn't do. Quite frankly, if I'm in a ring and I'm fighting someone and I break my hand, I'm doing everything I can to get out of that fight, mate. Yeah. Right. Um, whether it's a street fight or whether it's in a boxing ring. Yeah. If I break my hand and I'm seriously debilitated, I'm I'm looking for an out. And that is what 99% of the population do. Yeah. Yeah. And with boxers, we put them on this pedestal, didn't we? That they they but they should but they are on a pedestal. Ah, but this is the thing, right? Where do our sort of expectations start and end? No, I totally agree. Look, there's no line here. It's it's a it's a grey area. You yeah. never know. I mean, so we don't know what what he was feeling, what no, was going don't. through his mind. We don't know what his fears were. Yeah. Were has he recently had a kid and he suddenly thinks mm. he's in a ring and he panics? Or one say, if I bust my hand too bad, I'm never fighting again. Yeah, and no, I need no. to earn a living here and this and that. And so we're doing all of this stuff with boxers. And we and as I say, we praise the courage. Yeah. Should we? criticise or mock or whatever we're doing yeah. a fighter who isn't willing to go there. So, and, that, and that's it. He weren't willing to go there. Yeah. So but is that something that we can then go criticise him for and say, well, that's unacceptable in this sport? I See, I, this is where I, I, I kind of, I do want to be careful about my, my position. I'm not, I don't, I'm not being critical of him in the sense that I think he, you know, how I think you, you sort of, we're a bit weak to pull out. I don't think that. What I do think is I, I put myself in that situation now like you have and I yeah. think differently. I think 
okay, let's let's just say that he's broken his hand maybe in the round before, so it's not an injury that's been you know happened since the first round. If it mm-hmm. had, then fair play, I could understand that. Um, I I'd like to think that with everything on the line, the future fights, money, that I would just go for it for one or two rounds and just go hell for leather. So even if it's obvious that I can't throw the right hand, you can, you know, you can still use it to sort of tee up on shots or block shots. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And also, I mean, when after the fight was done, you know, Jack Parker was able to touch his face quite easily and lift his, it, you know, I just thought, well, hang on a sec. Mm. What kind of a broken hand is mm, this? It's a big night. This it didn't is. seem like the worst injury yeah. that I'd ever. Yeah. Look, that's all. Listen, I'm not. I, I just. I think it's something worth discussing because it's interesting. It's definitely worth discussing. I'm. I'm. I don't know where I stand on it. No. I haven't got a fixed point because there are fights. I mean, you know what? I'm. I'm thinking now. On times I've been really ultra critical of fighters when they've not been willing to go there. Zach Parker. Uh, Zach Parker. Um, no, uh, Joseph Parker in his fight with Anthony Joshua. Yes. I was disgusted with him that night. Yeah. You know, do you get a payday like that? Yeah. Millions of pounds in a huge stadium, mm. stadium fight against, you know, the most popular fighter in the world at the time. Yeah. Who, let's face it, was beatable. Yeah. You know, always has been. It's Anthony Joshua. And he just did not try to win that fight. Yeah. You know, he wasn't interested in taking any punishment. Mm. And that, for me, I look at that and go, well, he weren't willing to try and even break his hand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's where I get thingy with fighters, where you go the biggest, the top level of the sport and you're not willing to put your body on the line. Yeah. Well, this ain't a sport for you. Yeah. You know, that's our thing. But then something like this, an injury like that, it's very difficult. So I've just thought of a comparison um, was Vitaly Klitschko. Now, he pulled out of his fight with Chris Bird with a... Uh, a chest injury. Yeah. And it was, is a torn uh, rotator cuff, was it? Okay. Is that what it is? Um, probably. It's a torn, I think one, it yeah. is, yeah. And well, the rotator cuff's near the shoulder chest. Right, yeah, it was yeah. there. It was a shoulder, exactly, as well, such shoulder and chest. And he pulled out of that fight on the way up. He was, he was, you know, seen as the next big thing as a heavyweight, then pulls out of a fight yeah. with Chris Bird. And he just said, well, I was in such agonising pain and mm. I felt if I carried on fighting, okay, I could have done it and probably would have won the fight because he was miles ahead in the fight. Mm. He could have eaten sweat out, but he said, but the, the damage to my body and I'm a sportsman, mm. it was too much for me to put my body through. Yeah, yeah. He go, okay, well, it paid off for him, didn't it? Yeah. No. You know, he then came back, he, he proved his heart against Lennox Lewis and all of this. And, mm. and he sort of did that and that was one of those injuries yeah, so I think I think as well a lot of maybe my frustration is slightly kicks is is kicking in because, like I said, I f- I thought it was a really winnable fight for yeah. Zach Barker. I really think, and this is why maybe I query like when did was the injury suffered early because I saw more than enough in the first round to think I don't think you're going to win this quite comfortably. Don't get me wrong, John Ryder was coming in on the inside, but when Zach was pumping the jab out, and to be fair, mm. he's southpaw, it's the right hand, so if you can't throw his jab, it's that's a, problem. a massive problem. So I get that as well. Mm. I just thought you've got the, the tools, the physical tools, and that was what I was sort of basing the difference on when I went for Zach Parker as well. I thought maybe he's, he's taller, he look, there's something about him physically quite imposing. If he can impose those physical tools, I think he, he'll probably win this. Sure. And I saw enough evidence, it just frustrates me on this. is such a big fight. Um, but listen, you're probably, listen, I, I think it, it it's reasonable to say as well, if he had continued on and had not, knock John Ryder out, he's not going to win that fight because mm. of the injury. So maybe he's looked at that as well and gone, do you know what? I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to go hell for leather for two rounds. I'm against a really good fighter for starters. Mm. I'm going to, it's going to take me out of my tactical game plan anyway. I didn't really want to do that. Maybe he's just thought, look, it's, just, it's not going to happen tonight. But oh, I don't know. I, I feel disappointed for him. Maybe yeah. that's where it's coming from. But okay. anyway, it's very disappointing. <laughs> John Ryder's now on to bigger and better things, so let's see what happens with him. Although- well, he'll get his title shot, won't he? He will. John Ryder, because he's now, you look. You think if you're a champion, an elite champion in the sport, and you look out mm. and you look around and you go, well, John Ryder has come off, you know, let's face it, a bit of a gift against Danny Jacobs. Yeah, bit of a gift here. <laughs> bit of a gift here. It's like, I'll have that, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Absolutely.
Right, let's go on to the news. So we've got a few news pieces here. So Zolani Tete has failed a drugs test for, all I know is it's a banned substance. The substance hasn't, what well, details of the substance haven't been released yet, but that's a failed UCAD drugs test. This throws into question whether, you know, he was on performance enhancing drugs in the lead up to his fight against Jason Cunningham, who he absolutely battered in that fight. That was obviously his last fight. Well, what we do know about that is that this was a failed test in the lead up or around the Jason Cunningham fight. Mm. It was part of the drug testing protocol for that fight. If that, that was failed. a UCAD uh, failed drugs test, then why wasn't that fight stopped? Because we, co- if you take the comparison with the Conor Ben situation, that they want the promoters wanted that fight to go on because he failed a VADA test, and this was a British Boxing Board of Control fight where they only have to abide by the results of UCAD, which Conor Ben passed. So presumably, if Solana Tete fails a UCAD test, the British Boxing Board of Control, sh- if well, they knew about it, should have I'd, refused to sanction the fight. I doubt they did. I think. Let's hope look not. at the time. I think that most likely. You kind of tested him at the time. It's taken ages to get the results back, mm. and that that's what has accounted for this. And that that's what happened. UCAD is very cheap testing. It's not fast testing. Yeah. It's cheap. And this is this is what you're paying for. Yeah. It, it's not that comprehensive, which is why it's really surprising when somebody fails a UCAD test because yeah. it's it's not brilliant stuff. So he must have really the, been doping it. And, but as I say, we don't know what it is. But the other thing that's interesting about this is that I'm pretty sure that Zelane, you know, when they did the Super Six series, yeah. Um, which he was involved in, yep. that he was one of the fighters who insisted on VADA testing for that. At the time. Yeah, so it's really strange. I mean, listen, he's failed a drugs test. The onus is on him to somehow, and I say somehow because it's, you know, you don't fail drugs tests usually unless you've taken drugs. Well, of course. Look, <laughs> he's taken blooming drugs. He's failed a drugs test. Look, it is strange, but it's not really. When you think about it, when do you really need the most help in your career to recover from your training? And your injuries and all that. It's as you're getting on and you're getting older. And when you're you know. as old as Joel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which he nearly is. Yes. Yeah. Right. Next uh, news story. Can you believe? Oh, go on, Joel. You, you look like you're. You well, wanna... it was just a little bit extra for that. It was something on on the story that I thought was quite good is that boxing South Africa, who govern the sport in SA, yeah. have suspended him. Uh, while the UK investigation is ongoing. So what this means is is that he can't fail a drugs test here and just go and box back home in SA. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's really good good move by by Boxing South Africa. So well done. Brilliant. And and another thing. Yes. Jason Cunningham found out through the te- the press that Zolani Tete had failed his test. Look, British Boxing Board of Control and people who control our sport, you have to get a handle on this. Yeah. This is insane. You've got fighters failing drugs tests, their opponents not finding out, their management not knowing. Queensbury, who promotes Alani Tete, only found out in the last few days. That's nuts. I mean, this is crazy. Like, what is going on? Who is administering a sport and why is it done so ridiculously badly? Yeah. Drugs testing at the moment in this country is ridiculous. It's, It's not... It's... It's not worth anything. What does drugs testing in boxing mean if it doesn't have the ability to stop a fight? As they say, Joel, it's not fit for purpose. There we go. <laughs> right, next news piece. Can you believe it? The Tyson Fury, Derek Chisora pay-per-view price. If you want to watch this, this night of boxing, one of the one of the great all-time heavyweight contests, £26.95. Chump change to the likes of us, Joel. I mean, <laughs> where on earth did they decide? What kind of board meeting took place where they said, I think the British public will pay £26.95 <laughs> for this shite? They've gone, I think that this deserves to be the most expensive fight in British boxing history. Come on. I know, it's, it's shocking. More joke. That, do you know what? It has to be a news piece uh, in and of itself. So we're going to preview the fight later on in this uh, episode. But what a joke. I think on the undercard so far, we've got Daniel Dubois against some cannon fodder, and I don't think we've had anything else announced. Yeah, it's another... So we've got two huge title fights on the same The WBA heavyweight champion. (laughs) God almighty. I think Um, I'll be going to that Christmas party instead, thank you. So uh, you sent me a video... Uh, earlier this week uh, and this was an interview from Harlem Eubank I wanted to give it a mention because he discussed the difficulties that we 
mentioned in the previous episode about Chris Eubanks Sr. and our concerns about his mental health. Listen, all I'm going to say is that he basically touched on it in that video and said, confirm that Eubank Sr. is having issues. So look, just want to say that I hope Chris Eubank Sr., legend of British boxing, gets better and our thoughts are with him. It was good to have it cleared up anyway, because I think you know, there were there were genuine concerns from the public. You weren't really sure, you know, what's going on here. No, we all care so much about these fighters, and mm. at least you know then, well, it's in hand, isn't it? They're dealing with it. Yes, yeah. So, and speaking of the Eubank family, uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Um, against Liam Smith has been confirmed for January 2023. That's a great fight, but unfortunately, I think that's also going to be pay-per-view, Joel. It is going to be pay per view, and I was thinking though that they could have such a massive win here if twenty six pounds ninety six. No, if they just go eighteen pound ninety five, they did it for less than twenty quid. Went eighteen pound ninety five. They would get such a massive PR boost. Yeah, with Sky if they did that, I, I would honestly go there if I was them. I think they'll they'll make so many more sales if they do that and they pitch it reasonably because mm. the fight isn't it the lot isn't it like January the twenty first or something something like that. Yeah. So what the it's literally the poorest week in the country. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's that Talk last, for yourself, mate. <laughs> it's that la- it's that last weekend before your January payday because yeah. everyone generally in England you get paid early in December. Yeah. So you got money for Christmas to yes, buy your Christmas yeah. presents, and then you don't get paid again till the end of January. Yeah. And true. so that on January twenty first, that's. That is a, a really bad move, I yeah. think, to put a pay per view on that night unless you're going to go really cheap. Yeah. Thankfully, I'm paid weekly, so I don't know. I don't yeah. pay through that nonsense. <laughs> so, look, our Kinnahan of the Week. Joel, we haven't actually decided yet who the Kinnahan of the Week was. So, well, I, I made l- my let's decision. Pick someone. Who are you going for? Yeah, BT Sport. For charging £26.95 oh, yes, for pay-per-view. Course. Yes, yes. I have to agree with you, Joel. £26.95 <laughs> that they are charging. It's an outrage. The most we've ever been charged before is £24.95 in the middle of a cost of living crisis. Yada, 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 yeah. yada, yada. They're putting the price up by £2. Outrageous. Go sort it out. Right. Let's do the previews. And since we've been talking about the uh, pay-per-view price for the Tyson Fury-Derek Chisora fight, we might as well preview the Tyson Fury-Derek Chisora fight. So, Joel, kick us off. Tyson Fury wins this fight whenever he wants to win this fight in whatever manner he would like to. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is one of the worst trilogy third match in any trilogy that i've i've can remember i can't remember one as bad as this yeah no certainly not in in top level boxing it's bad it's really bad and it's embarrassing for the sport we are now six days out from the fight and we see zero promotion zero anything on this yeah uh my friends are always talking boxing no one's talking this fight i mean we haven't discussed it outside of the pod I don't think there's just a lack of interest, mate. So I think, I mean, I we have discussed this fight a fair bit in the in the you know months or certainly in the weeks when it was first announced, mainly to convey our shock and disappointment, <laughs> and also our feeling that Tyson Fury is going to absolutely destroy Derek Chisora. I actually, I was going to say, I've slightly changed my prediction right on this one, but I've, I've, I'm coming up with a, a massive conspiracy theory thing here, right? <laughs> So what I think is going to happen, yeah, is I think the fight's going to go the full 12 rounds and I think Tyson Fury's going to carry Derek Chisora. I think they've probably got a gentleman's agreement. One of the reasons why I think we'll carry him 12 rounds is I think he can't win if he batters him because Mm. everyone's going to be like, this was the biggest pile of shit that we predicted, a total mismatch. So what I think is going to happen is Tyson Fury's going to carry him. He's going to do more than enough to win but he's not going to do enough to do what, what he what he what he could do if he really wanted to which is just blast him out mm. there really quickly i just think that if he blasts chisora out really quickly it's a pr disaster i really can't see what's the point of this fight unless derek chisora overperforms what's but then the that's point in, of the fight but then that's embarrassing for fury is it though because he he's not going to give a shit I mean, I genuinely. Yeah, but does he think... give a shit anyway? Then, but well, then by that same token, he's not going to give a shit or do what he wants. He'll just go and win the fight easy. No, I just, I, I, I think it's going to be bad for Queensbury for Fury's reputation if he just goes in there and just wreaks carnage on. But I think that it's worse if he's 
seem to carry the fight. I'm, I'm not. I'm not discounting that this no. could happen I, I, at all. I, I, would, I, I can see I've this been go going, Yeah, I've, I've definitely gone through my head. It's gone. Yeah, them too. They've fixed the whole thing all along. Yeah. Obviously, they haven't fallen out for God's sake. Yeah. You know, they're going to go in there. They probably do have an agreement that they at least go some rounds before they. Yeah, get into it. Yeah, and just see what what Chisora has left by then. But I think to go to full twelve will look so bad on Fury unless it's some sort of outstanding fight, which I just can't envisage. No, no I think because for that, for it to be a really good fight, you've got to expect Fury to literally just stand there and take punches yeah. off a really slow old fighter. Yeah, I just can't. Surely that'd be more embarrassing for him. So it's, it's difficult to see where this goes. I just think <laughs> it's just definitely going to be an easy Fury win. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think it's a total. Con job though, and I'm yeah, really agreed. disappointed. This it, fight it, really, it really reminds me of the David Hay Tony Bellew fights, which yes. I, I was disgusted at throughout. David just Hayes last pay days. <laughs> God he, he was totally they, shot to pieces. And they conned the British public that he wasn't. And then he was shot to pieces, showed it in the first fight by not really being able to stand up and fight. Yeah. And they, they somehow sold it to us again. Yeah, but it he was did fight remarkable. through an injury in the first fight. He did. Zach Parker. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so look, let's move on to a fight that's certainly more worthy of our attention. So this is Troy Williamson against Josh Kelly, which is for the British title. The enigma that is Josh Kelly. Now this fight is the bookies have it even, and this is similar similarish to the Nathan Gorman Fabio Wardley one in the sense that Josh Kelly should be performing way better and be at a high level than what he is. He, he's a really class boxer, no question. But the questions regarding him are mental, as proven by the da- uh, David Avanesian mm. fight. Now, Troy Williamson is obviously, he's, I mean, he's a good fighter, but I think he's someone who, you know, makes really makes the most of his talent. You know, trains properly, looks after himself well. He's a professional, that's yeah. what I mean. So, and, and again, I've got this gut feeling that when it comes down to it, the the hard work in this instance is going to beat the talent. So I'm, I think that Troy Williamson will win this and I think Josh Kelly will look good early on and if the fight goes beyond the halfway stage, I think he'll tire and I think mm. Troy will pour the pressure on. And I could just see him folding because similar to Nathan Gorn, I just think fight that you've either got it or you haven't. I just don't see it in Josh Kelly. I really question his mentality. Josh Kelly turned pro... <laughs> After the Olympics in, what, 2016 was it? And he was meant to be not a standout. He was expected to be not a standout of the British game. Right. But elite on the world level. Yes. He really <laughs> was. You know, he's that level of skill, isn't he, the guy? Yeah, yeah. And promise. And, yeah, it's never got, he's never got it going. Um, this is, as you say, it's exactly the same as the fight last week Yeah, uh, 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 between Gorman and, and Wardley. Yeah. Wardley. Um, this is chalk and cheese, this one. The two fighters in personality and all of that, as well as in, in yeah. sort of in-ring style. And look, you look at it, what do we know about... Troy Williamson is that in what two of his last three fights have been fight of the year contenders. Yeah. He he's got that stuff. He's got the gumption, he's got, hasn't he? yeah. he's got it. Yeah. And so what we know is is that he will be willing to take punishment to give it it's gonna go as you said. You know, Josh Kelly is gonna be all over him. Yeah. For because the class difference is huge. Yeah. Their skills gap is massive. Yeah. Um, Josh Kelly's going to beat the living daylights out of him for a while. Yeah. Can Troy Williamson stand up to it? He's yeah. shown in the past that he can. You believe he can. Yeah. And if he stands up for it more than two or three rounds, mm. then Josh will fold. Yeah. So I've got to go with you as well, Joe. I've got to go by Troy Williamson, and I've got to go by stoppage. I'm not comfortable in that pick or anything like no. that. I could, I could easily see Josh Kelly totally outboxing him, putting on an absolute masterclass for 12 rounds. That is the frustration of Josh Kelly. Yeah, I think I don't think he's got the ability to do it for 12 rounds. I don't, he's not a 12 round fighter. If it, if it goes beyond the halfway stage, he's going to get knocked out. It's only his. It's, yeah, but it's only his head stopping him, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. No, I agree. You know, when it's only that, and he does have this. You know, he's he's working on Duradan Booth. Mm. Who can work with a fighter like this? Mm. Yeah. You know, and he's a, he's a sort of therapist as well I mean, as as trainer, isn't he? So this is the sort of guy that you could yeah. get that night out of him. Look, the bottom line is, if Josh Kelly genuinely is to fulfil his potential, this is a must-win fight. And this is the sort of fight that will define probably the rest of your career. 
you win, you're going places again. You lose, especially, you know, you're not a draw. People will always look at you as a, someone who never fulfilled their promise. Um, I, he's got to win this fight. But, I, 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 you know, I haven't seen enough. When you're coming, when, when you're trying to go from British level to, you know, to world level, you, you're going to be involved in domestic dust-ups where you're going to get hurt and you've got to come through those moments. I just don't see it in him at all. Uh, hmm. and and he's got all the talent in the world, so it's a shame. Listen, maybe he'll prove us wrong. Who knows? Now, here is a, a quality fight. This is the last fight we're going to pre preview. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez against Juan Estrada. Their trilogy fight. This is a trilogy fight worth discussing. <laughs> this is the sort of trilogy we want to see. Exactly. Joel, what's your prediction for this one? I've got to go for Juan Estrada. But on points... Purely because Roman Gonzalez has been a fight away from being over the hill for about eight years now. Yes, true. But surely it's got to come at some point. Mm. Wasn't Roman, didn't he lose to Saw Rungvasai quite did. devastating badly, fashion? Twice, yeah. badly. Yeah. I mean, the first fight, for some reason, and I'll never really understand it, a lot of people had it down as, as a, a bad decision for Rungvasai. Trust me, Rungvasai just beat the living daylights out of him in that fight. I don't know what that was about. Second fight, yeah. Rungvasai demolished him. That was about five years ago that now, was wasn't it? sick knockout as well. I mean, he absolutely... Heavy knockout. Yeah. Like one of the ones where you hit the floor with sleep. Yeah, exactly. And that's how it, it's going to be a great fight like the first two, and I expect uh, Estrada to edge it in yeah. a thriller. So for our listeners who don't know, Juan Estrada uh, lost the their most recent fight, and he I think he won the first fight. And, and the first fight was actually in 2012, so it was quite some time ago. So they had the first fight in 2012, then had a 10-year gap. Uh, and now they're fighting for a third time. Look, wh whatever, I think it's obviously going to be a cracking fight. These two tend to put on brilliant shows and are proper fighters. Oh, yeah. You know, they're going to go for it. Yeah. So this is the fight I'd probably say most looking forward to, actually. I think this could be an unbelievably good fight. Yeah, it's on the zone, isn't it, at the weekend? Yes, yes, it is. And there's actually some good, that they've had some good uh, video content on the zone. Obviously, there's there's quite a history between these two. So if anyone wants to catch up on that and see why why this is such a, why, you know, the hardcores are really looking forward to this fight, check the videos out. You'll see the history. You'll see highlights of the, the first two. Just a quick one on Roman Gonzalez as well. This guy's been boxing since 2005. <laughs> He's only ever lost two fighters. He's 35 now, though. He is. He is getting old. One of those fighters being Estrada, by the way. And also, let's bear in mind, Saw Rungvasai, who is a fighter who destroyed Roman Gonzalez. He's now old. He's old, and <laughs> he, he looked old in his performance against Bam Bam Rodriguez. He I mean, did. he looked terrible in that yeah. fight. Yeah, so awful. I wonder if this is going to be one where maybe age finally, you know, I wouldn't say age finally, I mean, he's still a quality fighter, but will he be able to still perform at the elite elite level which he which he's at we'll have to see we're going to be a great fight though so yes can't wait for that one so let's move on to our magazine lottery what did you pick out last week joe so i picked out an edition of boxing news dated the 30th of october 2009 and i mentioned at the time that on the front cover was a picture of Ryan Rhodes landing a beautiful right cross against Jamie Moore with the title Forever Young. One-time prodigy Ryan Rhodes delivers his best at 32 to batter Jamie Moore in a thriller. And I do want to discuss this fight because I don't remember seeing this fight. And in the lead up to this pod, I thought, I better watch this fight. So, you know. I cannot believe you haven't seen this fight before. Mate, I, it was I, a, I was just about to it say... It was an epic of the mid-2000s in the, this country. The top five domestic dust-ups that we did a few oh, weeks ago. how did we miss it? I, I can't believe it. That would have gone up really high yeah, as well, yeah. like two or three. or okay. That was ridiculous. So for any of our listeners, if you want to watch an unbelievable domestic dust-up. Check out Ryan Rose against Jamie Moore. It's one of the best fights I've ever watched. I messaged Joel on WhatsApp after watching it. And I said, this is one of the best fights I've ever seen. Where have I been all these years? <laughs> like, how come I've not seen this? So all I can say is that, how best to describe this, 
a real back and forth no no one really giving any ground fight ryan rose is a real slick southpaw fighter fights on the back foot quite a bit but i think very early on in this fight he knew that he weren't going to be able to create the space between him and jamie moore because jamie moore is a very good inside fighter and you know a great pressure fighter so essentially and this was what was really interesting about this is why i think ryan rhodes won this fight so for the benefit of our listeners ryan rhodes knocked uh, jamie moore out in the seventh round it was a big upset as well i wouldn't say massive upset but jamie moore was the odds-on favorite to win this fight and going into it he was the i believe he was the british uh champion at the time i think he was was he british and european maybe maybe I, he's certainly been european and commonwealth but anyway Bottom line is, I think Ryan Rhodes in this fight made a decision very early on that he wouldn't be able to box on the back foot mm. and win so, the fight. Just really quickly, for, for, yeah. Ryan Rhodes was a winkerback fighter, so he yes, was from Sheffield, the same yes, gym yeah, as exactly. Prince Naz, so his nickname was the Spice Boy. In his first incarnation as a fighter, he was a sort of a, a, a 90s yeah. playboy type. He was wearing I mean? the uh, flash Liverpool suit when they took That's on Man United. Yeah. He was one of those, it. mate. That's it. He's one of them ones. And he won the British title outright younger than any other fighter at 20 years old. So that is, you've got to win the British title and have two successful defences of that title. Yep. So it's three British title fights, one altogether. You need to win to get that British title outright. And he did that very yep. early on. This was in his second incarnation as a fighter. He spent years out of the ring, then went into this. Jamie Moore had been had, had one of the toughest yeah. careers for a fighter of his weight domestically coming through. And so what you had was Jamie Moore had this fight with um, uh, Matt Matthew Macklin. Macklin, which was a, an incredible fight. Absolutely astonishing fight. And he has that one in, cool, what year was that? So the Matt Macklin fight was in 2006, right? And this was in 2008. So, Jamie Moore from that, he goes, he wins that fight, absolute classic with Matthew Macklin. His 2009, reward, sorry. <laughs> his reward for that was going on a sort of this winning streak of what, seven, eight fights. None of them got him anywhere. So he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins in a row before the Ryan Rhodes fight. And he did not get a world title fight, including he beat Michelle Piccarillo, oh, who, right. who was a long-reigning European champion, recent title fighter and all of that. It, it's remarkable that his reward for that run was a bloody fight with Ryan Rhodes in a domestic dust-up. Ryan Rhodes was on the comeback trail. Yeah. Jesus, that was that was where we were going into this fight. Yeah. And like I say, the I think Ryan Rhodes he won this fight because he very early on decided that he you know he's going to have to stand his ground. I mean, there was obviously a lot of back and forth, and it surprised me as well that Ryan Rhodes was really willing to uh, let Jamie Moore fight him on the inside. And he and it seemed to me that he made like a conscious decision not to necessarily evade a lot of the shots in that. I think his his reasoning was, I was just going to expend all my energy slipping, ducking. Yeah, okay. if, if, if I if I'm willing to just maybe take a shot, but it gives me it puts me in a position where I where I've exposed a gap or whatever, I'm going to fire back. Hmm. Um, because, like I said, I mean his style, that Sheffield style, very elusive, and I just think he very early on thought, I've got, oh, I can't, can't do it. And, haven't, yeah, haven't got the legs for it. And then what happened was, so what happened was. The consensus, really, and I, I didn't like listening to Jim Watt's commentary, actually, because if you listen to his commentary in the first round, you'd think Jamie Moore was absolutely battering um, Ryan Rhodes. And I, I, and I was like, hang on a sec. No, Ryan I mean- Rhodes is is boxing cleverly. He's not. He's getting hit of the odd bit, but he's certainly landing some shots back. You know, I, I just thought this was one of those ones where, the, you know, if, if you weren't, you know, your average listener might think, Oh God, yeah, Jamie Moore's <sighs> battering him. Total rubbish. We talk about it a lot, don't we, in terms of how commentators can affect the yeah. sort of public opinion on the fight. Yeah. So it was a fairly even fight up until I think it was the sixth round, and then in that round, Ryan Rhodes landed a beautiful right hook that had staggered Jamie Moore really, really badly. I think he went down actually on that one. And um, 
He looked for all intents and purposes as though the fight was going to be over. And then he's... Jamie Moore just comes back and starts landing some hellacious punches on Ryan Rhodes. And I'm thinking... And I'm genuinely thinking now, Ryan Rhodes is really badly hurt. He's he's literally clobbered him with one. The fight's there for the taking. And J- like Jamie Moore's got that stuff in his stomach. Yeah. Where it's just, I'm really badly hurt throwing a kitchen sink at you. What have I got to lose? And he was, re- and, and I thought he was going to claw his way back into the fight and take it. And then, um, and, and he was, he was, he was getting on top big time in the seventh round. Um, it might even have been the seventh round where he initially got um, knocked down with the right hook. But anyway, Ryan Rhodes finishes the fight with a beautiful right cross that lands flush. Jamie Moore goes backwards. I think he takes more punishment. A young Howard Foster jumped in <laughs> to stop the fight at 2.35 on the clock. And it was just a brilliant, brilliant win for... You know, a really ta- talented fighter having a bit of a re- renaissance. Now, this this fight was actually meant to be an eliminator for a shot at Sergio Martinez's light middleweight crown, but I believe he vacated the title, went up to middleweight, didn't he? He, he did, indeed. Took on gets... Paul Williams exactly. in their first fight, got... which was a great fight, and got the win. Never went back down. Yeah, and Ryan. So Ryan Rhodes, I think, had a few more fairly nondescript fights before taking on Sal Canelo Alvarez in, in Mexico I know <laughs> <laughs> I mean there aren't many fighters that have done that yeah so anyway. I watched that fight and I mean there was a there was a clear golfing class what what was really interesting is that at tw- I, I, even watching that fight 2011 so this is a decade old it makes you realise how good Canelo has been for and how young he was yeah. and in that fight as well Canelo looked massive his Back was he huge. Was, yeah, it was huge at the time. It I was mean, a mismatch that you know. You well, know, it was a physical. Not it was a physical mismatch that fight. Was every, it? every you know every shot that Canelo threw was thrown with spite and quickly. I mean, if you've got power and speed and accuracy, then you're you're, you're going to do well in this game. <laughs> I should be a. I'm the wise old <laughs> the wise old sage of boxing, Joel. <laughs> Stick that in a bottle and sell it, mate. Yeah. And uh, so there we go. Look, I, I just thought. This is a fight, you know, some of our, we've had friends and listeners contact us and say, oh, tell us a fight, which fight should we watch? Or watch this fight. What a brilliant fight. And uh, yeah, forgotten classic, isn't forgotten it? Forgotten classic. Yeah, so brilliant. It was, it was great reading the, the match report on that one as well. Lovely, man. So there we go. Right. We are done this week. So Joel, you're going to um, pick your magazine for next week. Gosh. I have Boxing Monthly from December 2006. UK price £3.40, US price <laughs> $6.95. On the front cover... Yes. Oh, wow. We've got Pretty Boy Floyd landing a right hand on Carlos Baldemir. Oh, he took a beating in that fight, didn't he? Did he, he win that did. on sort of points, though? Went the 12? It went a full 12, yeah. Larry Merchant had a lot to say about that after the fight. I remember. Oh, yeah, I bet he did. They had a right <laughs> row after that one, didn't they? Oh, is that when he went, you're no shit about boxing, Larry. You're I no think, shit about boxing. I think it was that one because it wasn't the if I was 40 years younger one. Oh, no, we went, if I was 40 years younger, I'll kick you. No, you wouldn't, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Right. But it was it was one before that where, yeah, I think it was that. I think it was him saying because it, Merchant was criticising him for being boring. Yeah. He was saying, no, you don't know shit about boxing. That was yeah. beautiful boxing. It's also got, um, who else we got on the front cover there? We've got Audley Harrison against Ooh. Michael Sprott. I mean, it was in that awful era of British boxing. Anyway, you shall regain our lovely listeners with a, a tale from this uh, edition we should you know what we should be getting bloody advertising revenue from boxing news we promote them and, so much well this is boxing monthly actually mate. oh gosh that's brutal Jesus. who's that that's trevor burbick oh gosh yeah because he was they've put the they put the photo there that's a weird one isn't it i don't remember that they put the photo of trevor of a, trevor burbick's body when he was shot in the head and uh, oh, well, that's gruesome. Were he macheted through the head? Oh, he was, yeah. Yeah, bludgeoned to death, yeah. Oh, that's 
Jeez, and see the How did that get home? past the editor? She can't publish that. That is so strange. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll maybe go into depth on that one next That's week. an interesting story, though. Very, and Graham Houston's taken it up. So, yeah, I think that might be where we go with that. Cool, all right. So on that note, our listeners, we are done. We hope you've enjoyed yet another episode of I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield signing out. Joel, any last words? Love you all. Thank you.